Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, We've got a real special guest today who kind of lives with a national perspective of the church here in Canada. I want to welcome the leader of a ministry called Gather Women, uh, Kathy Ostapchuk. Kathy, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Uh, It's great that you would sit down with us and uh, just share a little bit about your story and your ministry. So let's start sort of first things first and kind of introduce yourself to all of our listeners locally and across the country, uh, who you are, a bit of your personal background, family dynamics, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I am an Alberta girl, a prairie girl, born and raised in Edmonton. My father and my uncle, uh, who came over from the Ukraine and Belarus, actually founded our first Ukrainian Baptist church in Edmonton. So I grew up in the church uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other day, and did everything. And so, you know, leading the choir, singing in the choir, doing Bible studies, making pierogies, serving the lunch, doing VBS. It was just kind of my whole life. I married a guy from Eastern Canada, also from a Ukrainian Baptist church in Toronto, and moved this way. And I think that's what's really helped me see more of the national, not East versus West um, version and vision for the church in Canada. And it's really interesting as we talk about, you know, even what you're doing there at Southridge and what I'm doing, the connection is so important because I always grew up knowing that there was a national convention of Ukrainian Baptists across Canada. I mean, who knew, right? But we got together every year, the East to the West and and beyond. And I think that's what keeps, you know, uh, vision alive. That's what keeps, um, you know, the motivation to move forward alive is that ability to connect across paradigms. And so that's why I'm so happy to be part of this conversation. It's it's always a helpful perspective to realize that the world is a little bit bigger than you. <laughs> and exactly. when you've traveled a little bit, it's 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 humbling, but I think it's it's a really healthy perspective to have. Hey, you said you grew up in the church since as far back as you can remember. Um, was your spiritual journey pretty like straightforward or uh, what would be important for us to to know as far as kind of your spiritual background? Yeah, I mean, it's complicated as everybody's is. It's never what it looks like on the outside. Um, I always grew up with a sense that, um, you know, the enemy was sort of out to rob something from me, had a series of health issues um, and very complicated in terms of being hugely creative. So at the at the young age of 16, I was off to Moody Bible Institute to study music and went to Biola University after that in Los Angeles to do a composition degree, but always struggled with, you know, anxiety, self-worth, a little bit of depression. And I think part of that was uh, I grew up in the church, which is was an amazing experience, obviously. But this, you know, this thing was like, you have to always be churchy. You always have to serve God. You can never be found resting or lacking. And it was this drive that both of those educational experiences really kind of affirmed, like God wants everything from you and you better give it or else. And so that was always the challenges, like, am I enough, God? Am I doing enough? And of course, we know that 
you know, leaders burn out, people burn out, and there are not always systems in place to accommodate that. Instead, you feel like, oh, gee, I, I must have failed. I must have taken a wrong turn. So since then, you know, of course, I've become more comfortable with myself. I'm an Enneagram four, which means I am creative. I am, you know, visionary. Um, but I have to kind of give myself a break once in a while. I have to take time to really lean in, listen to God, and understand that his voice is not the same as the church's voice all the time or culture's voice. Hmm, that already is a great takeaway. I hope people are scribbling that <laughs> that down. That's terrific. Um, in the spirit of you growing and maturing to embrace a, a, a whole life with God, not just working for him or, you know, serving him chronically uh, to help us really, really get to know you. What do you do for fun these days? Well, I love my daily walks. I mean, I love them because you can listen to podcasts, worship music, you can enjoy nature. So that's a fun thing. I read minimum one book a week, probably two books a week since, you know, for the last 30, 40 years. So avid kind of gobble, I gobble it all up sort of thing. And I do anything that gives me more time with my husband. So I do marriage golf, I do marriage skiing, I do marriage activities, marriage kayaking, just to make sure that, you know, as we get to this stage of life, that we grow together and not apart. And I love, uh, I love my kids, like, and I love my grandkids. I think they're the best people in the whole world. And so I totally throw myself into them. Those are just some of the things. Fantastic. Hey, uh, let's talk about this ministry that's close to your heart uh, called Gather. Uh, talk about kind of how long you've been leading it and, and where it came from. What was the, the founding vision? Have you been leading it the whole time or did you take it over? Just give us that background. Yeah, so it's a launch and we actually call it a movement, uh, not an institution. The church is a movement, not an institution because institutions are can be somewhat, you know, like immovable, but movements transform and define culture. So that's always been the intent. But where did it come from was really my own dissatisfaction with where I couldn't find other women in the nation to sort of like run with, basically. I mean, there were the few, obviously, uh, an amazing woman we're going to be ta talking about in a minute, Ellen Duffield. But my question was always, well, where are the women? And having two girls that were... Uh, late teens, early 20s at the time, I thought, are they even excited to be a part of the church in Canada? Like, are they, you know, they're serving there, but are they excited about what God has seated in them as female, you know, members of the church? And I kept getting on planes and going to conferences. Like, I, I was a conference junkie. Anything in the States was always bigger and better. Plus, it was like a quarter of the cost to fly to Texas <laughs> than it is to fly to any other part in Canada. But one one day on, on a plane in 2014, I was coming home from Chicago, had just been with Priscilla Shire and my friend, Dr. Pam McRae, um, who leads um, a program at Moody. And I tweeted like, oh, I'm going back to Canada. Oh, where are the women? And so I came home and immediately started, you know, Google like Googling Christian women, amazing women, you know, and trying to find some other women that sort of like really cared that the mission field, as Jill Briscoe says, is the is the space between our two feet. I live in Canada. And so what does that mean in terms of where God is asking me, 
you know, to place my energy and my focus. So it really came from a question, uh, where are the women? And the founding vision hasn't changed. Uh, we exist as a catalyst. So catalyst implies like movement and action to connect, equip and mobilize women of Canada so that they are empowered to change their world for Jesus Christ. Hasn't changed. Amazing. I, I know so many of us listening are going to be already leaning in to, to know more about this. So walk us through some of the kind of main ministry aspects of what Gather offers these days to do that. Right. So I never wanted gather to be called gather. I thought it was a weak word. I thought it was going to be something like Clarion or a very corporate name. But we <laughs> we gathered and it stuck. And honestly, that's the number one goal. I mean, even with what you're doing at Southridge and, you know, oh, gosh, I mean, we need to be connected because the Canada is the second largest country in the world geographically. But we have a very small you know, demographic number. So that means isolation is very easy for us, you know, provincially, regionally, you know, large cities, rural, and the enemy, I think, does his best work when he can keep us isolated, not only in our regions, but with other people that might be change makers in our life. And so the whole beginning thing was like, we need to get, we need to connect. And our very first word um, beyond our, our five founding values was presence. We need to show up. And so we literally did a party bus, except we flew across Canada. And we started in BC at Relate Church. We went to Edmonton to Celebration Church. We went to Winnipeg to, to um, Soul Sanctuary. We went to, um, we were in Ottawa. <laughs> we were in Montreal. We went to Montreal where the church never gathers across denominations just to say, hey, if we can get us in the same room, then the conversation has a hope of even happening. And before that, it doesn't. So that's what we set out to do. Yeah, you've really been, from my observation experience, a, a, a real strength in numbers movement. And uh, for people looking to join in and, and experience that strength in numbers, Gather is absolutely a, a place to turn. Yeah, uh, I mean, the... Sorry, I just want to add that the yeah, challenge is Canada, um, things don't grow exponentially, even when you launch movements or ministries. I mean, I just thought in five years, we'd be exploded, but it takes a lot longer. Um, but I really preach that appreciate the fact that I think you can change the world one person in one conversation at a time, like the one we're having now. So my expectations have totally changed. I think Jesus changed the world, you know, one person, 12 <laughs> people, a few women at a time, and then they go out and change their world. And I think that is really the paradigm that we see is most honoring, even though we want like huge numbers, huge explosive growth. I think we just keep having these conversations and see what God does with them. And it's interesting for people listening, like the action step that I'm seeing you take is the, the, the just showing up. The, mm -hmm. the, that's the ball game, isn't it? Just yeah. showing up and just faithfully the next day, just showing up. And uh, I've heard from others that uh, the power God uses is the faithfulness of just showing up. And so kudos to you just for being that kind of person and leader. Um, Kath, it's August of 2021. So I have to at least ask the obligatory uh, pandemic question. Uh, talk about gather from the perspective of, 
how it's affected your ministry? What have you had to do differently? Do you want to use the pivot word? Like, just just give me some pandemic reaction. Well, just prior to, uh, which was the end of 2019, we had had real uh, board leadership change. And I didn't freak out. I thought, well, this is interesting because kind of our old board, one at a time, resigned for very good reasons. All of them were leading significant ministries or had, um, you know, professional positions that the time was up. And I thought, well, this is this is interesting. Um, a new board formed. There were women waiting in the wings. And at that time, we actually launched our internship program. And from that came um, our exec team. And it's so interesting how everyone was really poised. And even before the pandemic became a thing, we knew that we had to immediately go virtual. Like we have, to, so we did our very first first virtual conference, which last year was a different thing than now. Now everything is on demand, and you know you can get so much for free. But at that time, it was new. Like Zoom was kind of new, and you know finding the platform, getting the speakers, doing the marketing, and so we pivoted fairly quickly because we have a culture, and I do believe culture is the most important thing you need to build in your organization or ministry that risks, um, that rewards risk, that rewards taking risk. Even if you fail, what did you learn? That rewards um, a strength-based, you know, approach to anything. So we kind of harnered all of our strengths and saw what we had in the room. What could we do? And so we pivoted all year. Like we created new resources, you know, lots of free resources for women. We started True Conversations, which was almost a weekly conversation. We talked about racism, about money, about, you know, uh, momming, um, about leading ministry. We had all kinds of amazing Canadian um, equippers that we have no idea the talent we have in this country, but we just kind of brought the voices in to equip the women during this time. What was challenging is some of our, you know, partnerships didn't continue because all nonprofit ministries were looking for funding and were having to scale back. But we're, we are lean and mean. (laughs) We work smart and hard. And so we can do it on a dime. I mean, for the future, we need to fund, um, you know, our, our, primary positions for sure for the next people who are coming in because I won't be here forever but we were able to do what we did you know um, stewarding well the resources and I think that's because we acknowledge you know strengths in the room and call people up into those and I like to see around the corner um, I think it was the global leadership summit last year which I know you're part of that and I think it was uh, Mark Marcus Buckingham, that said the leader's job is to go around the corner and see what's coming. You know, it's not for maybe the manager or the director down, you know, because the last thing you want to do is say, I don't know what's happening. We all need to be scared and run and hide. We cannot know what's happening, but we can take some guesses and we can set people on a course that means they won't get stuck, even if it's not you know, the right course, there's probably a few, but I knew that I had to look around the corner and take the team somewhere because where we take our board, where we take our executive team, our interns is where we're trying to move the women who are part of the movement. 
So we never wanted anybody to say, you know, it's such a fearful time that we need to give in to all of this. We were always like on the move and trying to see what's next. Hmm. And isn't it hard these days, even late August, you know, in Ontario, uh, in this extended stage three, and it feels like it's going to last longer than we realize because of a fourth wave, like constantly trying to peek around that corner. It's like a daily challenge to try to get your head, you know, around that corner and see what's there on behalf of your team, isn't it? It is, but you know, one of the things that we won't give into, I won't give into, even though I think it is there is somebody who does know, and that has never changed. And, you know, we realize that championing truth, like the truth of what scripture says is, you know, what has been true that will always be true. And one thing that has been true that will always be true is like God is on the throne. So it's, he's not upset by any of this. I don't fear for my children or their children. It's a crazy world. Absolutely. It's a bunch of puzzle pieces and nobody knows how to get it together, but God is the same. And so he's a visionary, innovative. He's already on the move, I believe, in the next decade, in the decade to come. And I just can only lead from my trust in him. Otherwise, it would be impossible. Fantastic. Hey, uh, part of what makes you and I such kindred spirits is your connection. You already mentioned her to Ellen Duffield and to Next Level Leadership. So, you know, many of our listeners are, are familiar with her and have experienced a lot of her work through Next Level. With that background and your, your national perspective, maybe even specifically kind of coming out of the pandemic, what are you seeing women require these days to support their faith and flourishing? Yeah, and, you know, I think without the Ellen Duffield component in my life, um, I'm not sure if I'd have this answer, but there are two specific instances. Once where I was quite new in the leadership realm, I just um, finished Just Give Me Jesus, which the Air Canada Center was filled with 18,000 people and Billy Graham's daughter came and I was the co-chair of that event. We had to raise three quarters of a million dollars and and get charity. And I was fresh out of that. My head was spinning because I thought like, I never asked for this. I was always in the arts, worship leading, performing, conducting, that sort of thing. But Ellen prayed a powerful prayer for me. And she said, your voice will be used, you know, in this nation and beyond. And that was a while ago. And I took it, but I had no context for it. Like, I didn't even believe that that could be me. And then another time I was at Ellen's house, and she said, you are a gatherer. Like, I see you on the mountain and people coming you know, you're gathering people. And she said those two words, those two sentences at two specific times. And I think what women need most, they need what has God has been seated in them already to be called out. And I don't know why we don't do it. I think we're scared. We're scared that somebody will rise above us, compete with us. Um, You know, that we're, we're scared that we don't have what it takes. But when we call it out of each other when we say I see you I see what's in you how can I help you and I think the two words um, which one of our leads with gather her name is Vanessa Hoyes is we use these words raise and release how can I help raise you raise your level of confidence so there'll be more an opportunity to release out to the waiting world what God is seated in you and so I think just passing that on doing it for each other you know, calling out the strengths and 
the second thing is providing an environment that that can thrive. So I don't know about you, but I mean, I've been in a lot of very toxic ministry environments, churches included, where the people are great. I mean, we're all there, you know, to love and serve God, but the environments just aren't ripe, you know, with healthy, you know, feedback loops or uh, I, I don't know what it is, but with Gather, we're trying to create, you know, something that's just safe and healthy where people are accepted and not only accepted where they can thrive and rise to like their full potential. And so I think Alan set that standard in my life. And I think women require that it's not an option. We require it. And you can see that in a nation that is, you know, <laughs> so we're a first world country. I mean, we don't have a lot of restrictions on what women can and can't do like outside of the church for sure. Um, but we're still scared. And why is that? I think it's just because we lack the right people to run with that will champion us, that will love to see us surpass them even just to get where God has called us to go. Hmm, that's fantastic. Um, Kath, I know your heart is not just for women in general, but specifically for the church and for the church in Canada. Um, What's your pulse on where churches are at these days in their female empowerment and in their living out of God's image of male and female he created them and living in the experience of God's heart, both the paternal and maternal heart of God? Yeah, I mean, it's... I will just answer this from my tiny little, you know, experience and perspective. It's not, you know, you can't really take it to the bank. But one fact speaks very loudly to this point. There is absolutely no research that I know of that has been done about women in the Canadian church. We don't know how many are in the church, how many have left the church. We don't know the demographic, the ages. All of our research is U.S. or global research. Nobody has invested in finding out what is going on with women in the church in Canada. So that is one of the things for the last solid three years, for sure, probably since inception, I've been trying to find a way that we can do this on a national level and invest and partner. I think that is going to happen in the next month. Um, I can't share exactly until it's a for sure thing. Um, hmm. But, you know, when nobody is asking the questions, we can say we love women in the church, of course, but do you? We're, we know a lot about millennials. Uh, we have a lot of um, chats about social justice, but we don't really, we haven't really seen women as a strong enough demographic to say we need to invest in this demographic, knowing that we are more than half the church. That's half of your constituents that are generally immobilized and not invited into you know the task force because we just haven't looked at them as anything else than oh yeah those are women in the church and we have tended to sideline women anyway like women's ministry is in a separate room it happens you know and we we if that's a women's thing we don't really think of it as mainstream so i would say having conversations with my friends who are pastoring churches 
from other countries, mainly Australia, they're saying this conversation is like 20 years old in Australia. Of course, women can lead. Of course, they can co-pastor. I mean, we see the Hillsongs movement. We see C3 movement. We see other movements. And they come here and they're still having a hard time getting their heads around the fact that we don't really believe that because the numbers um, aren't there. I mean, there it's when I coach, I do a lot of coaching. We have a lot of conversations through gather and we have women showing up extremely gifted. One woman um, I was talking to after a conference, I spoke at at one conferences in Edmonton said, I have my PhD. I teach at the university of Alberta. I teach leadership and I can't be an elder in my church. And I can't, you know, and she was crying. And so we may think that because we have so many advantages and freedoms in this country, that women naturally could step into any place where their gift could flourish, namely the church. I don't feel like that's the case. Uh, so I think there's work to do, and it's a triangle. So there's work to do for the women. And so that's where Gather is really focused. Like, we've got to get these girls confident that they even have gifts. Like, so many women just say, well, I'm just this, I'm just this. No, so leadership development, like internship opportunities, giving them opportunities to teach and speak and, and study the Bible for themselves and see what it really says about, you know, did God tell you? Um what did he do with other women in the Bible? What are their stories? And then we have to, we want to work with the men to say, are there ways um, that you may, you know, be able to make room for gifted women in your church? What would that look like? What would that, what would have to happen? But then I think the larger sort of iceberg um, under, you know, the water that's threatening to destroy a lot of it is just the system the church is a system you know the tradition of it the the long-held beliefs about it and we're seeing signs of hope um but on these three levels like the women doing the work the men doing the work and then the church as a system whether it's denominations or church leaders at individual local church levels a lot has to happen for things to really get to the place where we can say there is equity. There is a seat at the table in the local church uh, for anyone who wants a place there. Hmm. Um, Along those lines, Kath, what would gathers or maybe your personal message be to men listening and specifically to male leaders? What do you need from us and how do we need to grow in this movement? Yeah, I would just say, you know, do or just start from the beginning. Like you were starting to do research on something totally like it's a new car, <laughs> you know. Start from the beginning and start asking the questions and and see what scripture says first. You know, see if there's a other ways that certain you know, key passages, controversial passages can be looked at. And I know that men that have done that, for instance, Chris Price from the Way Church in Vancouver, who wrote along with Alita Friesen, the whole church, because he he started from the beginning and said, I need to rethink this. I, I want to kind of relearn what I've learned. Um, and the other thing is for men to say, how would I feel in this position? How would I feel if it was me? 
experiencing, you know, the glass ceilings or as one woman who had pastored for 20 years in a church still had people showing up and saying, when is the real pastor going to get here? (laughs) She calls it a cement Mm -hmm. ceiling. And so I know Ellen has done lots of research. She has lots of stories. I have so many stories. And every time I hear a story from a real woman in real life, I go like, I I just want to fall to the floor. And I go, I can't even believe that this is happening because I have daughters. And this is not the environment that I don't think Jesus really envisions for them, for the next generation. So yeah, we will lose millennials. Um, you know, guys and girls, but we will lose the daughters. We will lose the daughters of the church and we will show the world that we don't really believe in who they are. We don't have, we don't have placed the same value on them as we do the sons. And I have a son as well. So I would just say, you know, do the research and put yourself in the position. And if you had daughters, what would you want to see for them? Hmm. That's great. Um, knowing this podcast is part of a, an ongoing strengthening of not just our relationship personally, but the relationship of our ministries gather with Southridge and now our, our new leadership development ministry called the Leaders Village. Uh, I'm excited to see this go forward for those of us, especially from Southridge who are listening and are just discovering this, this, you know, wonderful, wonderful ministry in Canada called Gather. How can they better engage uh, with your ministry and particularly with you. Talk about social media, website, that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, I just, before I say that, I do want to just champion what you're doing. Um, you're probably a positive deviant to the nation. Like actually we use this word like practically being practitioners at an operating level of what the local church can look like. So you've brought, you know, training into your team um, in the way of, you know, leadership development for the women, but also understanding what it looks like to co-labor. And I would say, like, if we could multiply that, if I can champion that, if Gather can say, you know, look at Southridge as a ray of hope on the landscape, um, I will never, ever believe other than that the local church was the movement that Jesus said would change the world, would get the gospel out, would transform the world. It's the local church. And so as much as we can have vision at a national level and, and, and think big thoughts and dream big dreams, it's what happens in the local church. And so when you do what you're doing now, you're saying it actually can be done. And here's how. And so if Gather can kind of say, we have hope because there's a guy named Jeff Lockyer leading this church and they're actually putting wheels on it. And so that's encouraging. Gather is just gatherwomen.com. We wanted just the word gather actually without the women, but that was taken because we do have some gather men in the ranks coming up. Um, I would just say like gather women, uh, we're gather women all across all social media lines. Um, We have a podcast as well, which you will be on Jeff. And we, if you track us on social, we have encouragement and resources for women like six out of seven days a week. We've got prayer, we've got um, playlists, we've got reading plans, and we are really raising and releasing really great female voices in this nation. So keep following us. We're going to be in Calgary November 6th for our national gathering. 
And so excited if you can get there. If any listeners want to come to that, it's going to be great. So just track with us. And um, we're here just to kind of serve you in any way we can. So awesome. Hey, uh, so appreciate you being with us today, Kath. Uh, I'll give you sort of the final word if you have any final encouragements or challenges to our church or others who are listening when it comes to raising the confidence, profile, leadership, and voice of women in the church and beyond across our country. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the fact that God's original design was um, a good one and it was men and women together. Uh, I would say to those that are struggling on either side of it, um, you want to make a change in your church and you're, you're coming up against obstacles or you're a woman that's just trying to figure out, you know, do the work, like find the community, um, contact Jeff or, or I, and we'll put you in touch with who needs to take you to the next step, but you can't do it alone. And when you want to quit, like, just understand that that's normal. Like every second day, every leader wants to quit. So every second day you get up, you thread the needle again, and you just ask the question. And this question comes from one of our coaches, Amanda from Australia. She goes, what am I graced for today? Like, what am I graced for today? And then what I ask myself every day, how can I move the mission and vision of gather women forward? just a little bit today. And that could be one phone call, one prayer. So you can't take on the whole world every single day, but I would say do one day at a time. Cause it's tough. Like we're going up a mountain, but it's worth it. Like the local church is worth fighting for. Women are worth fighting for men and women flourishing together are worth fighting for. And Jesus is coming soon. So, you know, pour it on like Jeff, you're a runner. So let's just, well, the finish line is probably closer than we think. Fantastic. Kathy, you're so contagious. I appreciate your energy and passion sharing it with all of us today. And to all of you listening, thanks again for tracking with us. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.